We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to the Woman to Woman Show with myself, Roshni Cleric, on Community Radio, KilkennyCity.ie. It's Wednesday, so it's Woman to Woman Show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. We have a great lineup with you today, and uh, we also have Lisa Morris on uh, connected through us on Greenfield. Can you hear us, Lisa? Can you hear us, Lisa? So I'm just putting up the mic. Here. Hi, Lisa. Can you hear us? Anyway, we'll we'll get through to Lisa on the uh, uh, clean feed. And on today's show, we have a good, great lineup with you today. As I said, we have Karen Kernan from the One Family Island joining us. You may, many listeners may remember, we spoke a couple of weeks ago to Karen Kernan regarding the issue of lone parents and parents who are parenting alone and the, the challenges that they face during COVID-19. We are also speaking to, and we're going to be introducing our listeners to Laura Harmon from the Women's Council of Ireland and Laura will be chatting to us about who the Women's Council of Ireland is, what they do and how they do it and we'll also be talking about a little bit more about women in leadership as well and uh, so we're just a couple of weeks ago as I said that we mentioned about all the restrictions that um, parents who are parenting alone were going in through the shopping and going through you know, trying to get their shops and they couldn't get in the shops because of the restrictions regarding children. But this week we have, um, there's a, there is an online Zoom cinema with uh, learning from COVID-19 and building a law system that works for families. That is online tomorrow and it's a free event for everybody in the public. And it is a cinema that is set out to examine the experience of COVID-19 and how it can improve family law systems. And on the line to join us with that is indeed Karen Kernan, CEO from um, One Family Island. You're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman show, Karen. Thank you very much. Lovely to be back. Oh, it's great to have you on. Karen, you have uh, hosting and set up a cinema that sets out to examine the experience of COVID-19 and how it can improve the family law system for children and parents. Now, that's tomorrow afternoon uh, between 3 and 5. Can you tell us a bit about that? And can you tell us who can join the event as well? Yeah, well, the, we do a lot of work in supporting people who are separating or who are going through the family law courts, and we know that there are lots and lots of problems for people. And I thought we had wanted to do um, a conference, and then COVID came and closed that down. So we're getting back to doing it online. And it's really about looking to the future and to look and see what did we learn during COVID that could help family law be done better in the future. And also looking at the programme for government and what's in there in terms of commitments around reform of family law courts um, and supporting people better. So um, the conference is online from 3 to 5 o'clock and um, you can find information register, register through our website, onefamily.ie. 
Um, and anyone's welcome to join, but the places are limited and it's almost full. So just to say that. Um, and uh, we're also going to hear from um, a man from England who worked with an organisation called CASCAS. And what they did was they reoriented all their family law resources to be able to really support children and their parents. So instead of people fighting in court, they were trying to solve the problems outside of court. And we're going to hear how they did that. And we're hoping really to try and learn and now move forward with the opportunities we have um, with the new legislation coming in around family law courts. And so that we can make a system that's better for children and families. Yes, because the family law court, although it's really it's a very good system, it's still sometimes there's a lot of issues and tweaking that needs to be done to it to actually help the, the women and, and children, especially children. Yeah, look, we believe that it really should be about children's safety and the best interests of children as the paramount concern. And I think that's what people really try to do, but it's not always um, possible because we just don't put enough resources into it in Ireland. We just don't have enough support services all the time to make sure that children's voices are heard or to understand what's really happening for children whose families and parents are in conflict with each other. So for us in one family, this has to be the central point, is how do we make this as safe as possible for children and make it um, make whatever arrangements are put in place, whatever way their family is structured, be also in the best interests of children. And that's not a straightforward thing all the time if you've got two parents with different ideas about what that means. Exactly, and going to uh, the family law court or even anything to do with authority is very intimidating and daunting enough for children, never mind a family law court. Yeah, exactly. We know how scary it is. I think people don't want their private business brought into court and having to resolve things in that way, and sometimes that's needed. But if it's much better. What we find all the time is if people can be helped come to their own agreements, they're more likely to stick to them. So if you can come to an agreement through parenting or through counseling, or sorry, through mediation or through counseling or in some other way, it's an arrangement that's bespoke for you and your family. It's not being imposed on you. And you have a lot of time to come to that agreement. Whereas in court, you get a 10, 15 minutes and the judge will make a decision and that's it. So, you know, it is really about trying to work with the other parent, even if it's hard. And that's not always possible or appropriate because if it's an domestic abuse or coercive control in the relationship, you can't use mediation really. So therefore you may need to go to court and get decisions, but the court needs to know exactly what's going on and that can be hard to pull out without the right services and support there. Especially as you said with the coercive control and that is and the communications as well between the two parents maybe after separating. That too is is a question and that needs to be answered because enough we're getting an awful lot of reports and phone calls now since we started with the Amber Women's Refuge that, you know, some people don't want to have some parents, you know, they prefer to have everything in writing and emails and then when they go to the solicitor, so they say no the judge, you know, might not like you having communication just through email. So there's a lot of sort of more there's a lot of ambiguity regarding yeah. communications with, uh, with, um, se- with separated parents, divorced parents that needs to be clarified in how th- is the best way for them. Look, it's an absolute minefield and different judges like different things and perhaps that's what your callers are hearing is that 
you know, some judges might find that that's overly controlling, whereas you can understand that somebody feels they're being abused and they can have everything in writing, at least it's clear, and they have some evidence of what's going on. So, yeah, family law can be very ambiguous. It can rely on um, maybe different approaches by different solicitors or barristers as well as judges. So it's hard to have a, a very, very consistent approach in Ireland. And I suppose that, again, the speaker who we have um, from England, he's saying how they managed to move from, you know, over 100 separate in uh, family law court cultures to a very unified culture around how family law justice was going to be done. And that's very attractive. If we could do that um, in Ireland, that could really change the experience of everyone who uses court. And um, Karen, maybe you could just tell our listeners who are the speakers at this um, online Zoom virtual event because you've got some very interesting uh, lineup of speakers. Absolutely. And just to say it is nearly almost sold out because we're nearly at 500 and that's the maximum we can have on it. But it is going to be recorded and we will be sharing it through all our social media afterwards. But we have, um, we have a representative from the Department of Justice who's going to be telling us about the new legislation that's in the Programme for Government to reform the family law courts. We're going to have Anthony Douglas, who used to run this organisation in England and Wales, called CAFCAF, to tell us about how they did it there and how it became much more child-centred and less adversarial and in court. The President of the District Court, Colin Daly, is going to speak, and he's going to tell us a bit about all the changes they made during covid and what that was like and how they adapted. Um, and then Peter Mullen, who runs the circuit and district courts in the court service, um, he's going to speak about plans around new family law centres and what that would look like for users in terms of kind of bringing services together um, so that it's not as piecemeal as it is, particularly outside Dublin, where it's a much poorer service. Um, and then we're going to have a good question and answer session um, as well. So, that, so that's the lineup. Um, so we're looking forward to it. It should be an interesting event. And the first of many, we hope we would like to have more because there's just so much in this space around family law. It's very complicated and a lot needed to be done. Yes, and you know what? It does add an awful lot of stress onto parents who are parenting alone and that communication uh, with the other partner and the family law, it just brings an awful lot of stress and anxiety as, on top of everything else. Yeah, and I think for parents um, who are trying to, sh- for people who are trying to share parenting, and this is for dads as well as mums, it's really difficult and it's really stressful. And, you know, some people are really focused on the children and others find that much more difficult to do. So I suppose part of the work is constantly helping parents to see, well, is that about you or is that about your children? You know, and every parent wants the best for their children. They just may have radically different approaches and ideas about what that looks like. So as we're trying to just help mums and dads um, to focus on the children, think about what's in their best interest, keep children safe, um, and try to make sure parenting works because parenting is a lifelong relationship. You know, people, you, you know, you kind of might say to someone, well, look, if, if you're annoyed about that now, have a think about what that special occasion, that leaving school, that confirmation, that wedding, you know, you're all going to be there together. Can you, can you think about, you know, what tiny steps you need to take now to be able to have happiness in the future for your children and to be able to all be together if possible for those big events in your children's lives? Yes, because that also 
sort of teaches children how to themselves growing up, how to resolve differences and and the best way of communications and, you know, conflict uh, resolution as well, growing forward and growing up. Yeah, you're absolutely right because, I mean, what research has shown is that separation per se on its own is not uh, a long-term negative for children, but conflict is. So if conflict goes on and on and on, whether that's in the home with parents living together or separated... That's a toxic for children. But in fact, children can recover from a separation, even if it's not what they want. Once there's decreased conflict, there's predictability, there's safety, there's good communication. And those things aren't always easy. But I suppose we, we, there are organizations like One Family and others to help people do it because we know that's difficult to do. It's so emotional, a breakup, you know. Um, and then trying to, to, to share the most important thing in your life, which is your child, with somebody who perhaps you're very hurt by or you're very angry with. Um, so none of this is easy, but if children can see it done well, you're absolutely right. It can give them a set of invaluable skills in terms of how to communicate well and assertively with someone. Um, and that's all learnable. None of us are born with that. You know what I mean? We help people learn that stuff all the time. And as they say, communication is a skill, therefore it's a learned skill. Exactly. None of us came out <laughs> of the womb being a clear and assertive communicator. Any of us who are, we learn how to do it and you do it with practice. So, you know, people shouldn't despair or think there's something wrong with them. There's, there's things you can learn and there's other parents you can learn from and there's, there's ways to improve your life no matter how difficult it is, if you're trying to share parenting and struggling with it. It's completely normal, but it's also normal for to afford to improve if you can, yeah. And uh, Karen, Karen, I'm CEO of One, uh, One, One Family Island, you know, how long have you been planning this event and what sort of was, how, what sort of was the purpose and the initial purpose of you saying, God, we need to organise this event? Because events like this takes time to organise. Yeah, and we had a half-day seminar uh, kind of in person, you know, where we're all going to meet in a room. It's unimaginable now. We had that planned for May. Um, and really, the, the, the need for it is how desperate our our family law system is for some people how appalling um, many parents and children find it and how difficult it is for them to get through the system and how under-resourced it is and how people really struggle So, and because we knew that this new legislation was on the cards um, we really wanted to take the opportunity to have an event where people could hear about it, think about it and think about better ways of doing things so that it's less adversarial, it's less about going into court and people fighting with each other, and it's more about how can we create a lifelong parenting relationship for our children that will get us through, you know, the good times and the bad times ahead of us. And it is, it's hard to imagine, Arndt, how you do that, but we're going to hear from England how you can do that. And, um, you know, that's the hopeful bit. But we just hear constantly from people how difficult it is and what a slog it is. And we know because we help people who are moving through the family law court, we offer them mediation and counselling and parenting support and their children. And it's really difficult. So it's all about trying to make it easier and more humane. And that's why it's important for us to have these conversations and to try and influence what politicians and government departments do. Yes, and that is, and we can only influence politicians and 
is by getting the conversation started within the media to get the people, the public and the voters all talking about it. And that's the only way we can change legislation is to make it put pressure on the politicians, locally and nationally. Absolutely. And so that they know what it's like and they know how important it is. And some people get it more than others, you know. So look, it's good. There's two things in the programme for governments that we wanted. And one is around the new family law legislation for the courts. And then the other is um, to commit to building a new um, family law court centre, a big one in Dublin. Um, and that's been on the cards for about 10 years now. And so, so it's really good that those things are in the programme for government. That means we can try and push it forward. But we're already looking to see what comes next. And what comes next is trying to re-engineer the whole system so that it's more child-centred and family-centred and less lawyer-centred. And I hope that's what we're aiming for. And especially now where we have a new government, the caretaker government could only do so much while they were in the caretaker government in that situation. But now we have a new government, we have a new minister, although the, you know, the other former minister of justice was, was very good and very, and you know, very spot on. But now we have a new minister, so the new minister is going to take over. And maybe that, uh, Minister, uh, Helen McEntee, maybe that now, we should might even come on the show someday. We might even get the two of you and, uh, Women's Council of Ireland and, uh, on the show along with Lisa Matthews of the, uh, not Lisa Matthews, God, Kevin, what, Kevin's trying to uh, tell me things here. Sorry. We might uh, then also get, um, Lisa Morris from the Amber Women's Refuge all in studio and discussing this issue. That would be fantastic. Um, and look, we're looking forward to um, you know, meeting the minister in due course and hearing what she's got to say. But one of her very senior um, members of her department is speaking at the event tomorrow, uh, the Deputy Secretary General. And so she's going to be kind of laying out the government's perspective. And that would be very helpful to yes. us. We're aware that uh, you know there, there may be a new minister coming in and we didn't want to be hassling her in her first week in the job. Um, but that would sound amazing. So that could be a really interesting conversation to have. Wouldn't it do? But now, let's all get, after this uh, programme, let's all get our diaries together and see if we can make that happen. That would be cool. Great. <laughs> well, I'm free if you get the minister. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that, now I'll have to, that'll be some work, but I will try. And you know me, if I want to get something, I'll, I'll go to the ends of the earth to get it. Well, I... Um, Karen Kernan, I'm looking forward to the event tomorrow and uh, I certainly will be logging in and I, as soon as it came out I, I uh, clicked on my place in the Eventbrite and I'm looking forward to the event and I'm looking forward to, to teach, uh, speaking to you in the future and maybe in a couple of weeks time you might come on and tell us about the, um, the outcome of the event. That would be brilliant, that would be great, thank you very much. Karen Kernan from the One Family, One Family Island, thank you so much indeed. Thank you, bye bye. That was Karen Kernan of the One Family Island uh, speaking to us about the event tomorrow. There's only very limited places left, so if you'd like to get on that, do get on that. You can go on to the One Family Island, uh, either on the Twitter, Facebook or website and log in and book your place. Coming up after the break, we will be speaking to Ka uh, Laura, ha Laura Harmon from the um, Women's Council of Ireland and she'll be talking to us about what the Women's Council of Ireland is and what they do. We we were supposed, as I did publicise, we were supposed to speaking to Orla O'Connor regarding why domestic why violence against women is not a political issue or campaign issue, but a sequence of events of what happened. But we do have Laura Harmon from the Women's Council of Ireland, and she'll be telling us what they do, 
how they do it and why they do it and a bit more of um, leadership with women in role and as we are the woman to woman show but do stay tuned we're going to take a break and we'll be talking to Laura after the break Call us on 056-777-6277 We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM You're very welcome Call us now on 056-776-2777. You're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman show. Just before the break, we were talking to Karen Kernan, the CEO of One Family Ireland. And now on the line, we have the pleasure and the privilege of actually building relationships and introducing the Women's Council of Ireland to our Woman to Woman show listeners. And on the line, we have Laura Harmon. Laura is Leadership Coordinator with the National Women's Council of Ireland and works to reform structures and culture that will enable women's progress in politics, boardrooms and senior positions in the public and private sector. Laura also works with young women to increase their leadership aspirations and capabilities and she is was the president of the Union of Students in Ireland in 2014 and 15. During the marriage of the Equality Referendum campaign. She also has a background in public relations and political campaigning and is a graduate of University College Cork. Laura, you're very welcome to the Woman to Woman Show. Thank you so much for having me. Delighted to be here. Oh gosh. First, Laura, if you could just introduce our listeners, what is the uh, Women's Council of Ireland and what do you do? So the National Women's Council of Ireland is a membership organisation. It's a national organisation that has over 180 different member groups all across the country, uh, different women's groups, business groups, sports groups. Uh, we have a broad variety in our membership, and our main goal is to campaign for equality between women and men in Ireland. And we were founded in 1973, so we've been around for quite a while. Um, our, our national office, where we're based in, in Smithfield in uh, Dublin, uh, but as I said, we have members all across the country. And I think it's growing uh, by the by the month and by the year. Absolutely. We, you know, we see a real kind of surgence, I think, you know, in, in, in interest in women's equality uh, and feminism as well, um, you know, in recent years. And, you know, we've, we have new members joining all the time. And you, you can become an individual member as well as, as an organization can sign up. And all that information is on our website, how you can, you know, support the work that we do in terms of campaigning for women's rights in relation to their health and in relation to you know, uh, combating violence against women, uh, promoting women in leadership positions, which would be, you know, the brief that I work on in terms of promoting women in politics and business and working with young women to develop their leadership aspirations as well. Um, and also we work on other areas like... Um, you know, uh, advocating for the value of care work in society and for a better childcare system um, and also around women's mental health and, and women's, you know, reproductive health and economic independence as well. So we span quite a, quite a broad range of issues and we're a membership-led organisation. So, you know, our members, uh, you know, tell us at the AGM every year what, what issues they want to work on, they want to see us working on. So we work very closely with a lot of our members on our campaigns. Yes, and enough, as you said, an awful lot of your members, they are uh, politicians, they're, they're, they're organisations, and that, that, you know, you can also join as an individual as well. And that's really powerful because the Women's National uh, 
the Women's Council of Ireland, you are a really good platform for women to actually go to, to go to the events, because you, you do put on an awful lot of events throughout the year, don't you? Absolutely. We have a minimum of four members meetings every year um, for our members and for, for a wider audience as well. And at the moment, we've, we've been focusing on webinars because of COVID-19. We've had to kind of rejig the work like a lot of people. So we've, we've been holding uh, a series of webinars. We'll have another one on the 23rd of July at 7 p.m. Uh, it'll be on Zoom. So you'll be able to find out details on our website in relation to the women's community sector and women's community groups and the challenges facing them. Um, but, we, you know, we have a lot of events during the year that, that, that our members can attend. And also, I suppose, one of the big events that I work on is Femfest. Um, and that takes place in the winter every year. So this year we'll be having our fifth one, and it's the lar- it's a, it's one of the largest uh, conferences for young women uh, in Ireland. So it's, it's a space for young women aged 16 to 25 to come together to network, to talk about the issues that matter to them. And um, so we hear a lot from young women that you know they they want to campaign on issues like reproductive rights. We've seen in the past also now around you know tackling racism and 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 working on that intersectional piece as well um, and also um, you know consent the issue of consent and, 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 and t- combating sexual violence uh, is a big issue as well and we, we have another project going in the Women's Council that my colleague Hayley runs um, in relation to uh, tackling uh, sexual violence and harassment at third level institutions so that's something that we're really keen to be working with you know the new minister now for, for higher education Simon Harris would be would be very uh very much looking forward to working with him on that um, and also you know we're we're looking at working with the new government around uh, you know introducing quotas for local elections um, because while we have quotas at general elections you know and they've been shown to work uh, I think it's really important that we, we ensure that women are coming up you know from the lowest levels as well so this is something that we've been really strong in advocating for and the government have, have committed to kind of review this so we will be uh, we will be pushing them on that uh, as well. And I suppose you know a lot of the listeners would have seen during the week. Um, only four women were appointed to the cabinet when it was announced over the weekend, um, and that that remains the same you know for for 2016 and 2011 as well. So there's been no change there in terms of uh, women being appointed uh, at, at senior levels in terms of, of ministry roles, um, and that's because you know a lot of women enough women aren't running uh, when it comes to general elections so we need to get we need to get more women elected and I think it's up to political parties as well to, to field more women as candidates uh, so that the public can, can have more choice uh, on the ballot paper so I suppose that's kind of a flavour of, of some of the areas that we work in so now you got me really intrigued. You were talking about leadership and you know all the different cohorts that you're talk, working with especially the young people and politics so what, how would you define if you, there was a young person between 16 and 25 listening to us and they were saying, okay, but what is leadership? Could you just explain to our listeners what is leadership like for a woman in, in 2020? Well, I think, I mean, I think leadership, you know, often I think when people think of, of the word leader or leadership, they think of, um, you know, being dominant or being strong or often they you know they think of of maybe men that are in the public eye whereas the reality is you know lots of people are leaders in a quiet way as well you know we see a lot of women at home are leaders people who are caring for others are leaders 
Um, so you don't have to be loud, I suppose, to be a leader. So I think, you know, being a leader is, is different for everyone and there's different ways to be a leader. But the, the reality is women are underrepresented uh, when it comes to leadership roles in Irish society. I mean, only 23% of our TDs are women. Um, and, you know, there's never been a woman president of a university in Ireland. Um, and, you know, Trinity is the oldest university in Ireland. It's over 400 years. And there's never been a, a woman uh, president of that of that university. We have had them in the ITs, but not in the universities. And as well, we see it throughout the, throughout the board. I mean, even in if you look at education, if you look at women progressing to prof- professorships, um, you know, it tends to be they tend to be underrepresented there as well. And even in primary and secondary schools where the majority of the teachers are women, it tends to be more men at, when it comes to the principal level. So this is something that I think a lot of young people will see from a very young age, and it's really important, I think, for young women to have role models and to be able to see themselves um, in leadership roles. And, you know, in business as well, uh, only 18% of those on our big corporate boards are women. So there's big disparities uh you know, across the board in different sectors. And I think young women are really stepping up to the plate. I mean, we saw that with the referendum, uh, you know, the, the, the repeal of the eighth referendum. We saw it with the marriage referendum. And now with, with climate justice and climate change, young people are really leading the way on that issue. And, and uh, you know, I think a lot of young people are leaders already. They are volunteering in their communities. Um, you know, young people are involved in, in so many different uh, initiatives and with so many different youth organisations as well. Um and, you know, us at the Women's Council, you know, FemFest is our flagship event and we, we run consultation workshops in the lead up to that with young women to find out what the issues are that they that they are campaigning on, that they wish to, to talk about. So it's a conference that's shaped by young women, for young women. And it's always a very positive event and we're, we're hoping to really expand, you know, on that programme over the coming years and, and our work uh, with young women. Hello, Laura, are you still on the line? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, you can. So, Laura, the, the Women's Council of Ireland, you really do cover a wide uh, sector of uh, the society, of women in society and women from, you know, even like from, as you were saying, women in politics, w- individuals, women in business and women across the country in education. So the leadership now is so. What I find really amazing, and I'm I'm intrigued because I'm at that age. I'm actually starting to see an awful lot of women who probably would have retired early, but women are now staying in business, and they are actually really uh, sort of starting to get to the top of their professions now, in even in the midlife and above. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that things are definitely improving, and there's, I think there's a real general awareness now that there is an underrepresentation of women, and a lot more companies are putting in more supports, um, you know, for women, um, and particularly around you know maternity leave. This is a big issue um, for women that, that that take maternity leave and then returning back to the workplace again after that, and that support that's needed there, and also encouraging fathers to take their their paternity leave as well. Um, so that's something that we would be advocating for in the Women's Council is you know. Better, better maternity leave, better supports, but also more transparency from businesses in relation to the gender pay gap. Uh, you know, we know that there is a gender pay gap in Ireland um, of 16%. Um, so we would be very much supportive of, of measures to introduce legislation around that so that, you know, the big companies have to be transparent around uh, their pay scales um, for sure. But absolutely, I mean, you know, there is more of an awareness around that now. And, and I think as well, you know, oftentimes people forget that women do hold... Uh, a lot of the economic power in the world it does tend to be women that do uh, you know the groceries they do tend to, to do the household shopping so they do have that consumer power and I think being 
We know as well that diversity in decision making is really important because you know when you have women at the table and men, you get you get more diversity of views. So you're better able to to represent um, your customers or to represent your constituents. You know if you're if you're involved in politics and and 51% of of our society is you know are women. So I think that should be reflected uh, when it comes to leadership roles as well. I think it's only natural that that it should be. And is it that women are, is it women are not putting themselves forward in your experience, or is it that women are just not being chosen to be uh, in roles of leadership? I think it's 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 a number of different factors. So, for in terms of politics, it's really up to the political parties to to extend the net really and and the reach and try and recruit more more women candidates and more women candidates outside of their traditional circles as well. So we. We've had research done in the past that's shown that you know political parties often tend to recruit from uh, areas such like the GA, for example, um, which can be very male-dominated um, in localities. So you know to, to, to breach out of that and to also work with with organisations that represent minority communities. So for example, the migrant community uh, or you know communities representing those with disabilities, so that we get more diversity within politics. But it's absolutely a myth that, that women don't vote for women or that the electorate don't vote for women because we've seen when women run, um, you know, they do as well as men um, when, when they run for election and they do have a high success rate as well. So, um, you know, it is that case. But also it's, it's a case of, you know, um, care is a huge factor for, for women progressing, I suppose, in terms of leadership, um, in terms of caring roles at home, if, if 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 a woman has children or if she has caring responsibilities for an older person in the home, then that can really I suppose take up your time because you're you know you're double jobbing and if you don't have the the support um, from others in your life, then it can be very difficult. And that's what we're hearing from you know women that, that are in politics, women that are in business as well. Um, so really, it is a case for the state, I think, to to have better supports for women um, and better supports for for men as well in terms of being able to do those caring roles and to be supported in those roles and to be able to have a career at the same time and, and progress that career. Yes, and it's, well, at least we've started the conversation now here with the uh, Women's Council of Ireland on the Woman to Woman show. And, we've, you know, we, we've started that and maybe going forward that the Women's Council of Ireland will actually, will, will sort, of, sort of talk about and... Um, spread the word of your message to women of Ireland of what you do how you do it and all the different topics of conversations and your press releases that you're putting out to actually get that message out there Absolutely and and if people want to find out more about us you know they can go to our website nwci.e and we're, we're very active on Twitter uh, Facebook and Instagram as well if people want to find out more uh, about what we do And if people want to join they just go into your website and go to the membership don't they? Yeah, they can. There's a join uh, a join button on the website if, if people want to check that out and, and find out more about us uh, or if they want to drop us an email to, to find out more about what membership means or, or what we do, then um, we'd absolutely really welcome that. We always love uh, hearing from anyone that's interested in, in getting involved. Well, as I said to Karen Kernan, uh, CEO of um, One Family Island, maybe one day we might have yourself, uh, Women's Council of Ireland down, and Karen Kernan from One Family Island, and um, the Amber Women's Refuge, Lisa Morris, all leaders, women leaders in our society, and a few female politicians down to actually talk about women empowerment and women in Ireland. 
Absolutely, I think that would be a great idea, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's your plan. <laughs> and maybe we'll get the, the Minister of Justice, the newly um, appointed Helen McAteer down as well. That'd be brilliant. Wouldn't it? That, there's a dream Yeah. <laughs> That'd be a good plan. Wouldn't it? Now he's putting it into action. Now I've spoken, now I'm going to have to work on it. <laughs> Well, Laura Harmon, Leadership Coordinator with the Women's Council of Ireland, I really do genuinely thank you for taking the time at last minute to come on and speak to us on the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio, Kilkenny City. Thank you so much. And uh, stay well and stay safe going forward now, um, doing the sort of the final uh, time of the uh, COVID-19. We really appreciate you coming on and stay well and stay safe. You too. Thank Thanks you. a million. That was Laura Harmon from the Women's Council of Ireland. We're going to go for a quick commercial break and after the break we'll be talking to we'll be talking to Lisa Morris from the Amber Women's Refuge so do stay tuned. We are Community Radio Kilkenny City 88.7 FM. And you're very welcome back to the Woman to Woman show here on Community Radio Kilkenny City. And on the line now, we have Lisa Morris from the Amber Women's Refuge. Hi, Lisa, Rosie. can you hear us perfectly? Because we had a bit of a communication problem earlier on. We did, unfortunately. <laughs> it's the internet and, and everything else is going on and off. Uh, we had a, a packed show today from talking about the family law courts and women in leadership and you are involved in the, both of those sectors, Lisa, as a, a woman in leadership within being a manager of the Amber Women's Refuge. So you'd be a very sort of respected leader within our community here in Kilkenny and you'd be very familiar with the family law courts and the effects that that has on children. And so, you know, it was... So what... So that is your area and that. So that was what we were on today. And it's just amazing about the how, how many women, 60% of women are actually, is the percentage of, of women to men in our country. Yeah. And if you actually look at it, I suppose, even in terms of domestic violence, like violence against women, it's obviously a gender-based, it's a gender-based violence. It's very complex. Um, it's a widespread issue and it does constitute one of the most serious forms of a violation of women's human rights. And if you look at the statistics in Ireland, you have one in four women who are victims of domestic violence. You know, it's a lot higher than men. So this in itself shows women being more, you know, it's a, it's, it's a violence against women's rights. And I suppose working in Amber, we see that on a daily basis. We see the trauma that women women have to face, leaving their homes, having to go to court. So they may be in court looking to get a domestic violence order. Uh, they hopefully then may get the order. And then post-separation, the abuse still continues through maintenance. Um, still the different types of abuse can happen through, you know, through the children. If you have children with your husband or your ex-husband, it still continues on and on and on. And women have to trade back into court to fight for different issues that they shouldn't have to. You know, it should all be sorted there and then in their first application. And, you know, you have to go back for maintenance. You go back then for custody and access. And these are all applies by the perpetrator at times to still use to abuse the woman. And it's allowed to happen through our laws that are there at present. 
And it could be even something simple of a communication that has to be communicated between the two parents. And yet one parent could be just so stubborn and obstinate that they say, oh, contact me through the lawyer. And that yes. is so... Uh, the, 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 the woman who is doing everything and keeping the, ch- the, ch- the children fed, clothed, educated, and all them little things that doesn't uh, that the maintenance doesn't pay or provide for, and the the partner or husband can say, oh, and um, communicate that to your lawyer, and I'll send you the, the legal bill. That's not fair. No, absolutely not. And I know even from experience of working in the refuge, a lot of women they just say, you know what, I don't even want the maintenance. Because they know the fight they have to go through to even get it. Um, It's just a constant battle. You know, it's just that constant having to ask for the money. It's not there some weeks. Why isn't it there? Having to go back looking for it. Always having to ask. And again, that's another form of financial abuse, which is their post-separation. And you'd often hear as well where women are told, you know, you need to go to mediation to sort this out. But mediation is not appropriate for... A no. woman who's a victim of domestic abuse, you know that's that's not that's not appropriate to do that. And then so you I think yeah. there's lots of injustices and and you know just things that shouldn't be there. Women are already fighting enough of a battle to try and keep themselves and their children safe, and keep the keep the the home sacred and safe. Yes. environment to live in where there's no you know th- th- and it's a time to heal as well from the previous uh, domestic abuse and coercive control because that is what's important that keep making sure that home is a sacred place that's it your home is your you know your home is the safest place it should be and we know it's not for so many women and children and also the part of the communications too but, but, uh, between parents, the, the co-parents of the, of the children is now you have social, you have the smartphones, and now parents uh, you could have the perpetrator phoning up and putting on FaceTime and wanting to uh, instead of just having uh, one little corner of, of of a house where the child can go and use FaceTime, the perpetrator can actually see who's in the house, what the house looks like, and the outlay of the house, and you know, that yes. in itself is not fair. No, and totally you know, going into somebody's privacy. You'd often see that too, where there's maybe a teenager in the house and dad is calling the teenager on FaceTime and asking things, you know, where's mom, who's in the house at the moment, show me show me where everybody is, or it's just, communic- or communications and IT are fabulous but they're not then in ways where it can be used to disregard and also there's ways of tracking like we've had a lot of stories of late as well where there's trackers on people's mobile phones or you know the perpetrator might arrive on where the woman is and she's wondering how does he know where I am and it was noted then that the find my iPhone would have been set up on the phone and he was able to track exactly where she was but that is that is that does go on a lot as well. Totally a breach of somebody's privacy and another continuation of domestic abuse. And that is one in in the constitution. It's in the law. The, uh, we all entitled to our privacy. Absolutely. You know, so the family law system does have to change because I think. You know, a lot of what I'm hearing from a lot of the listeners who are contacting me is saying that, you know, that does have to change because 
it's not sort of fit for purpose the way it stands with the new new social media and the communication lines because they have they're too ambiguous there's too much ambiguity that needs to be clear crisp concise uh, so communications they need to take in all the elements of what domestic abuse and coercive control is there needs to be an understanding people need to be trained further on domestic abuse you know people like professionals like judges solicitors lawyers anyone involved in that family law circle should be trained in understanding what domestic abuse is and to understand its its massive complexities that go with it Yes, because there is so varied and wide-ranging what domestic abuse is because you've got uh, physical, you've got emotional, mental, coercive, financial, yeah. sexual abuse. They all come under the one. They do. And I suppose the coercive control is the, it's the newest in our law and that needs to be really teased out. When you are explaining to somebody what it means, it needs to be teased out. You know, it's that, it's that coercive behaviour that there may not be any marks on anybody, if there may be gaslighting involved in it as well, where they try to make the woman feel like she's going mad or that she didn't say this and she didn't leave her keys where he where she thought she did and she he constantly tries to tell her that she's going mad and then she nearly starts to believe that. And that's there's so many different types and forms within that coercive control that a lot of people don't understand. And that's, I think, what we need to try and spread the awareness and train professionals around what it means and what it's actually like for a woman living in that. And also, Lisa, uh, what really stands me is that domestic violence is not a, a, an official crime. No. And it's not a, pol- a political campaign. And we were supposed to have, but due to unforeseen circumstances, Otto O'Connor was going to come on and talk about um, why domestic abuse, why uh, violence against women is not a political campaign. Yeah. And so, and I suppose yeah. with, with us, we would work very closely with Safe Ireland. So Safe Ireland would be the umbrella body for the 39 domestic violence services in the country. And they would work extremely hard on this. You know, they would even lobby that we need, and I would agree that we need a minister specifically to work on the whole domestic and sexual gender-based violence. We do fall into the Department of Children, which, you know, we feel we need an actual ministry for this, but not there at the moment. But I feel our, our new justice minister will work hard with us. And I suppose with the new Operation Fleetship that the government launched at the start of COVID, with the rent supplement now that anyone fleeing domestic violence uh, can apply and, and get and receive sub- rent supplement to be able to leave a violent home, you know that that's a positive. So I'd look on that. There's lots of positives that have came from COVID, but I think the government needs to keep on this line. They keep needing to listen to the domestic violence services. We are the ones who are working with the women on the ground we know what they need so again that's the approach safe ireland are are trying to take with the current newly elected government and hopefully this will this will be the plan going forward that they listen to us more and take on board what actually is needed on the ground why do you think lisa and i know this is a a big question to ask you why do you think that domestic uh, violence or violence against women is not a political issue I suppose, again, it's it's another taboo subject that's hidden. Uh, I think we're talking about it a lot more now. So maybe before we weren't being listened to, 
it was kind of brushed under the carpet. You know, it was a family a family occurrence. You don't get involved in things like that. I don't think they actually really realised the total extent of it. But I think now there is a change and there is a shift in government where, you know, it's been looked at that it's, it's a serious issue. During COVID, it was like the pandemic met the epidemic of, the, of domestic violence. So I do think it's becoming an issue, but just not enough. And it needs to be taken more seriously. And maybe, you know, here on the Woman to Woman show and with Amber Woman's Refuge, maybe we should start that start that campaign and start Absolutely. making it uh, a media campaign to to attract and to get the attention of local politicians and RTDs. Because, yes. you know, they, from what I see, there's only one, one politician locally that's actually campaigning and uh, actively fundraising for, for the Amber Woman's Refuge. Yes, absolutely. And, and I've been in touch with a lot of them at the moment. I'm trying to arrange to meet with them over the coming weeks and months. So hopefully our local TDs will come on board and will support Amber. Yes. In, 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 you know, in making changes. Because what we're doing isn't working. That's the end line, I suppose. And we need to make changes. And I need to voice those concerns and changes that we feel are needed for Amber. You know, even if you look at housing... It's impossible for women who are fleeing domestic violence situations that are living in the refuge at the moment. It's just absolutely impossible for them to find housing that's that's cost-effective for them to be able to manage. You know, they're looking at houses that just are not affordable in the rental market. Yes. And they then may have to be move into these accommodations and they're putting themselves into extreme poverty. So that's the next measure then that they have to try and deal with. So there's so many issues attached to domestic abuse that it needs it needs across all the departments of government to work together. It's not just one department. It involves them all. It involves health, it involves education, it involves children, it involves justice. So it's not just one department working on its own. They need to all work together. And, you know, we need, as the COVID-19 uh, sort of super phrase was, we're in this together, we yes. need to get all the, all the departments, all the politicians and local activists to say, we're in this together. Yeah, and I suppose they need to, they as in our, our politicians and our ministers, they all need to actually follow that mantra and show us that we're in this together. Well, going forward... Um, we will be having Orla O'Connor on the show uh, within the next couple of weeks and she will be talking about her press release and her campaign from the Women's Council of Ireland to why and asking everybody and telling us why uh, violence against women is not a political campaign. So we're going to start that conversation here on Women to Women Show and Community Radio Kilkenny with our local politicians and I know all of them are sort of interested to hear what uh, what what Otto O'Connor has to say absolutely, and I'm sure you yeah. are yeah absolutely because we're, we're a member of the National Women's Council of Ireland as well yes. we work closely on these issues, issues. that will be relevant to us all yeah. well we've run out of time Lisa as always but thank you oh. so much for coming on and uh, we'll be Thanks talking to you next week I'm sure with some good super news and thank absolutely. you for taking the time to come on with us today and thanks so much to the support for the community radio as always oh, thank you so much indeed Lisa thank, thank you, you that's all we have time for this afternoon do stay tuned Samantha Rawson is back in studio with Kilkenny today until next week stay well and stay safe We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City 88.7 FM.